Hello, my name is William Cueto, and welcome to Builders of Hope, a show about young Catholic professionals who are living out their faith in all aspects of their lives, their family lives, their social lives, and their careers. Growing in the spiritual life is not just for priests and nuns. It's for all of us, as you will see through the lives of our guests who are striving to live out their faith and build a better world. Today's guest is Mary Louise Curry, and former Miss Wisconsin and top 10 finalist for the Miss America pageant, Mary Louise is a professional opera singer. She will speak to us about abstinence and the effects it has on one's life, emphasizing that it's never too late to embrace it. Uh, well, I have a lot of different hobbies, hobbies and things I love to do. I love roller coasters, and I love going to different theme parks and enjoying that all over the country. I love uh, the visual arts as well, and going to art museums, um, sculpture and paintings. I love those types of things. And uh, I love Star Wars, too. I'm kind of a Star Wars fanatic, and I enjoy collecting Star Wars memorabilia and memorizing all the lines for all the films and everything, too. So it's like another form of a Trekkie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, and I, I like going dancing with my friends and things like that as well. I think I'm a pretty typical young, young adult. And you did a little bit of cross country and swimming when you were little. Right, right, right. And I still enjoy working out. I, I was on the cross country and swim teams in high school, but I still love to work out too to keep in shape and, um, you know, just to stay fit. Excellent. Now, going into your profession as an opera singer, tell us a little bit about how you intend to use your profession in your life going forward. Well, I think that opera singers have a very public life and a public lifestyle. And, um, and I think it's really important because music is so, such a powerful tool. That's one of the reasons why I'm really drawn to music, because it makes an impact on people, on the artist, the performer, as well as the audience. And so I want to not just focus on the operatic repertoire, but also what I'm doing right now, even, is uh, using my voice to express uh, my love of God, you know, in my spiritual life, too. And performing inspiring songs and hymns is a wonderful way to help people and myself also to get closer to God. Um, I was a cantor. I've been a cantor since I was 13 years old. It's been like 12 years now. And it's so wonderful to be able to use my voice um, to help others worship and also to raise my voice to the Lord. And who's your, your basic target audience that you sing to? Well, it varies. Um, this past year I was Miss Wisconsin and so uh, I did a lot of singing to teens and I wasn't pulling out an Italian aria in urban Washington DC, but I was doing a lot of inspiring songs that really made an impact on them. Uh, the opera audience tends to be older, of course, so I sing to a a really diverse audience. And the young people like it because you don't typically think of young people listening to opera. Right. But that's who you're singing to right. and how they responded. Uh, oh, really well, fantastically. And I choose songs that are very accessible to them uh, and that are in English, of course, but I also, um, uh, I also am taking the way that I create art, my operatic voice, and using that with them and they enjoy it. They, they really respond well because music is such a powerful tool. That's excellent. You're mentioning now how you're using that and you're trying to use the singing and the message that comes across in a positive way and bringing a, a religious message um, is what I'm hearing. Tell us a little bit about your formation and your spiritual life. Okay. Um, well, I, 
I've always been close to the Lord um, since I was a little girl, but uh, there was a time in my life too when I kind of moved away from my spirituality and uh, my family my, really helped to bring me back to that and when I became a cantor that helped me very much too because um, I learned about the liturgy and how important that was. And um, I, the lives of the saints have just been a great tool for me in my life. And I especially have this devotion to St. Therese, who is uh, St. Therese, a little flower. And she is my favorite saint. And well, you bring her fantastic. up right now. There's a nice little story that you were telling me earlier that was very impressive. And it had a lot to do with your being Miss Wisconsin mm -hmm. and going into Miss America and the pageant, which must have been a very difficult, challenging time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, sure, sure. Well, when I won the Miss Wisconsin pageant, uh, it was my fourth try on the state level, and, and it was my last try because I was going to age, I was going to be too old if I didn't win this, this past year. And, uh, and I didn't sing well at the pageant, and I, I won in spite of that, but I felt really discouraged because I had kind of identified my value with my voice. And when I went to Miss America, um, I realized that, you know, that's a gift that God has given me and He wants me to use it, not to prove to others that I'm great, but to glorify Him. And I was, my family and friends and I were saying novenas, you know, that, that I would win Miss Wisconsin, that I would do well at Miss America. And we were especially praying to St. Therese. And I remember the night that I was going to do talent, I was really nervous because of that baggage that I had from my past experience. And I just uh, prayed, oh, St. Therese, please give me a flower tonight. Please bring me a flower and shower me with roses. And she's and known as the little flower. flower. That's right. The little flower. That's right. And she said, uh, after my death, um, I will let fall a shower of roses. And that was her promise that she would help those of us who are still here on earth struggling um, in our own lives. And when I performed that night, um, I could feel God's pleasure as I was performing, and it was an incredible experience. And she truly did give me a very special rose, a very special blessing. And then I ended up winning the talent competition at Miss America, and it was, it was just wonderful. It was the experience of a lifetime, and, um, and so I owe that great favor to my favorite thing. This is a really nice story because when you're in Miss Wisconsin, you won. Although talent was not your strong point in that competition, right. That's right. and then here on a much tougher stage, you know, <laughs> national competition, right. your your talent, was, which was linked to your prayers, specifically to you know the little flower, Saint Teresa little flower, that's the category that you know you succeeded in and scored highest in. Yeah. So that's a really nice story. Yes. Now, what was your message, your your position that each individual contestant takes? Yours was one that was pretty unique. What was yes. that? Yes. Uh, well, my platform, each young woman has an issue that she dedicates her year to if she's chosen as Miss Wisconsin or Miss America. And uh, the issue that I embrace in my life is chastity. And so um, I really enjoyed, I spent a whole year speaking to over 90,000 teens and young adults on sexual abstinence until marriage, on chastity. And it was an incredible experience, very rewarding. And how was that received at the competition level, amongst the judges, uh, well, amongst others? <laughs> well, some, um, some judges told me, as, as I was trying to compete in pageants and win a state title, um, they told me that my, I had the wrong platform, and they were saying, you know, this is a very difficult platform, hmm. you should change this platform. And people even said, you know, why don't you change to character education? 
you can just have abstinence be a part of that. But this way, people are more comfortable with this kind of topic. But I thought it was too important. I mean, definitely, abstinence is a character-building choice, and chastity definitely builds character. But uh, I think it's just too important to lump it in with other things. So I really wanted to persevere with this message. That was the implication that if you have this platform, you may not score as high as if you had another platform. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that was definitely... It sounds like yes, that, Yes, possibly. people were saying that. And it's not as popular. Right, exactly, exactly. And, um, uh, and even before I went to Miss America, you know, they were encouraging me to change the platform because uh, something else would be more marketable, they right. felt. So you did it anyway. That's because right. Because of the message. That's right. You took yeah. the opportunity out there and yeah. you conveyed this message. What is the message that you give to the young people that you go around speaking to? Well, I tell them that each of us is worth waiting for and that our sexuality is such a beautiful gift. It's just incredible. Uh, and it's a gift from God. And I can't imagine anything more beautiful than saving yourself to share that gift with the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with in marriage. Um, or saving that gift for the fullness of your vocation, whether you're called to the single life um, or the religious life. But chastity is a beautiful gift that's to be fostered. And I share with them the fact that you know it, it's not easy. I'm not going to rose. I'm not going to paint this in some uh, pretty picture. It's difficult. It's a difficult lifestyle to live. But it's um, it's like the the light yoke of the Lord, and that it, for this small sacrifice or a great sacrifice that one makes to commit to this lifestyle. Um, God has showered me with blessings in my life, and, um, and it's been incredibly rewarding. It's been the best choice I've ever made in my whole life. And if a young person makes this commitment, uh, they will also be blessed in manifold ways, and God will use them in an incredible way. That's amazing. Now, you were speaking to me earlier about certain statistics that to me were surprising that you're finding in the youth regarding the issue of abstinence. Right, right. It's interesting because today, for the first time in over a decade, the majority of Americans age 15 to 19 are virgins. So that's in incredible. I mean, more and more people are embracing this. And it's funny because I even get emails and um, and letters from people who are in their 30s, especially guys, saying, right. you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s and I'm a virgin, and, you know, do you think that that's uncomfortable? And it's like, no, that is so awesome. I think that that, is, that shows a real man, that he is, um, that he didn't give in to those societal pressures, but he's choosing the best, and he's using his sexuality the way that God intended, and he's an instrument of the Lord. I mean, that's just, that's a righteous and strong person, and that's awesome. That's great. Now, something you said there, what God intended. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think, well, it's this rule that God has imposed on us. You know, we're attracted <laughs> to each other out there. Yeah. And you can't have premarital sex. Uh -huh. So it's just something you can't break. And it's just something you have to follow. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something a little deeper than that. Isn't right. there? Right. You know, oh, about absolutely. the message. What is that? Well, it's, it's, not a, a, a self, it's not a rule that God is imposing on us. Or it's not a man-made law. But it's a gift. And our sexuality is such a beautiful, incredible gift. And, um, and God wants to give us the very best. And when you treat your sexuality in that beautiful way, because our bodies are sacred, um, and our sexuality is something beautiful, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. 
When we treat our sexuality in that way, then God just does incredible things with our lives. And Jesus says, um, clean the inside of the cups so that the outside will also be clean. And that's what chastity does. And I want to make a point, too, that um, if a young person has had sex, you know, there are young adults and teens who make choices that they regret. Um, it's not like, oh, well, you know, now it's over for me. Not at all. They can make a new beginning in their lives. And God is challenging them to do that. Jesus is standing there with open arms and saying, come home and I will set you free from that past and help you to make a new beginning in your life and fill you with a renewed chastity. It's always a way to go down the path that God has laid out, right? No matter yes. what point you wait to go down that path, when you finally choose, you're going down that path. And it's like other teachings of the church, what I'm hearing from you is they're not these rules, they're all guidelines, you know, the church speaking to us, mm -hmm. saying, you know, this is the way that you're going to be happy, this is the way God intended it to be, and that's what I'm hearing from you of how you're communicating it to young adults, which is really important. Yes, absolutely. And I believe in trying to live my life without regret. And everyone whom I've spoken with who has had sex before marriage, they have regrets. And they may not regret it right away, but a month or a year or five years, even ten years down the line, they have regrets. And this is a choice where you have no regrets. It's not easy. It's tough. But in the end, you're just rewarded in so many manifold ways. Self-respect, courage, a strong relationship with God, a great understanding of male-female relationships. And that's really awesome. The church is clearly not saying sex is wrong. Right. They're saying sex is good. Exactly, yes. One thing outside of the sacrament of marriage and a totally other thing that promotes what God intended within the sacrament of marriage, almost opposites yeah. depending on where they're placed. Right, and the thing is too that today um, virginity and chastity has become something really hip. So people all over the country are embracing this, young people who are in mainstream culture. The point is that they see that's good and they're yeah. pursuing it, you know, and, and pursuing it is the important thing, you know, to go after that and, and others are much better at pursuing things uh, than someone else might be, right. but it's the point that it's out there. And they're saying they realize that the other way isn't going to take them where they want to go. Right, right. You know, it's that false kind of message that society sometimes promotes. That on the one hand, you know, oh, sex is is like the essence of your self worth. You know, you in order to be desirable, you have to, um, you know, treat your sexuality like something commonplace. But it's not commonplace. It's so incredible, so special that it deserves that respect, that, um, that abstinence, that chastity gives you. So you've had a really great opportunity to get a very important message across through Miss Wisconsin pageantry, yes. through you know, the stage at Miss America, through the speaking engagements you've had throughout the country in the last year, and through your singing, which you're going to continue to do you know, throughout your life, or that's the way yes. you're going right now. That's a very strong thing, and that's you know very important in the media. One of the things I wanted to um, address was the fact that these platforms that so many people have in today's day and age are being used not for bringing good or delivering a good message, mm -hmm. just whatever sells mm -hmm. or whatever is popular right. or whatever is going to make money. And unfortunately, the media being such a powerful tool in the world, something that can influence thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of minds simultaneously with whatever message they want to communicate shows how powerful it is. And if it's a demoralizing message, then it's poisoning society in a sense 
with this message because it's helping to shape minds through music, through TV, through the internet um, with a lack of morality whereas you've taken the, the platform and the opportunity to deliver a moral message. What would you say to the entertainers that are, have these platforms day in and day out um, and artists and others in the media regarding the opportunity to send a, a valuable message? Uh, well, they have a tremendous opportunity, of course, because they are um, they're in the public life. And anybody who has a public life, whether it's an entertainer, whether it's a journalist, whether it's um, uh, a politician or an actor or even like a high-profile CEO or what, whatever your sure. role in life is, there are people who look to you and you have a tremendous opportunity to make a big impact on a lot of people. And I think that's something that people think about in our culture today is, oh, well, my, privately I believe this, but you know, my public life is separate. I want to make myself um, uh, accessible to everybody, so I'm not going to bring my own private beliefs into my public life. It's right. like, no, you know, we are yeah, our brother's keeper, yes. And, and we have a responsibility to be that conscience and to, to stand strong and to, um, and to really make an impact with our own beliefs because our faith is such a gift. If we're just, you know, being selfish and keeping it for our own private lives, we're not being our brother's keeper. Right. So it's a great opportunity to make that kind of an impact on people. Use that vehicle, that public life, to make a statement about something that you're passionate about that can help people in their lives too. So whether you want to be or not, if you're in front of people, you're a model. You're a role model. Right. You know, they're That's gonna look right. to you as that. I have yeah. an article here that I wanted to to read uh -huh. and it's by a rapper. You know, <laughs> hip hop, which hip hop now is the largest selling platform in this country. Wow. You know, I think for the first time it is better selling than than country music. And this is a quote from one of these hip-hop artists. We put out songs with lyrics in them that we thought people would think were funny, but they ended up having a lot of really negative effects on people. Performers need to be aware that when you're creating music, it has a tremendous influence on society. And he goes on and says, people's heroes are rappers. If in five years I endorse a presidential candidate, I can turn the election. Hip-hop is that deep. Now, the one thing is, this person's <laughs> realizing the power that's there, yeah. and they're also realizing that they're role models. But if they're not a positive role model, mm -hmm. and they are transmitting a message that's harmful, we will have a culture like the culture we have today that we're dealing with, with all these different messages coming across all different forms of media. What do you think is key in order for these individuals that are leading in the, the media and are in the positions to influence the messages that come across, what do you think is key for them in order to be able to be positioned to translate a moral message? Well, first of all, I guess they have to have a vibrant spiritual life. Um, but secondly, I think it's uh, important for them to, to know that this is a great opportunity. And, and for us, we need to like reclaim that Hollywood culture, that hip-hop culture, pop culture. We need to go out into the mainstream culture and reclaim that and reach that audience that we wouldn't otherwise get to reach. What a great opportunity that we have in our day and age. We have this challenge. You know, we have to be fired up and use the opportunities that we have through music, through the media, 
um, through magazines and what we read, everything to reclaim that culture and to reach a broad audience of Americans. And you said something very important that I think for a lot of people would be a novel concept. And you said we've got to go into mainstream. You know, you <laughs> have a lot of people that, you know, are well formed that want to impregnate society with moral values. Mm -hmm. But some of them are focused in on doing that only in certain means. For example, singing religious music solely, and that's wonderful, and that's needed, and that's something inspired by God that is going to be a very good, valuable tool in society. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's others who will never tune in to that kind of music. Right. So you're saying we need to reach into top 40 music, whether yeah. it be hip-hop music, but with good role models and good messages. Yeah. And you know, from what you're telling me, the power that exists behind someone who stands up in that kind of environment, the amount of good that can be done by one of these people in mainstream society is amazing and limitless. Yes, oh, it would be incredible. That's our goal, is to create that cultural shift. And if we can do that, we're just, I think we're going to see a rebirth of morality and of um, national pride in this country. That would be great. Yeah, and different levels of it, too, where you find it, some music that may not have a particular content message mm -hmm. that others would listen to that is just positive and yeah. good and it points out the good things in society because one of the reasons I was reading about that hip-hop is so successful and other lyrics is because you know the young people are looking for some kind of message they're looking for something to tell them about life mm -hmm. and they don't find it anywhere and they need it in their language and they need something positive that speaks to them in the way that they understand things and everything can be translated in that way so um, I hear what you're saying and uh, I think that it is definitely an excellent opportunity that everyone needs to take, like you're taking. Well, I try to take it, thanks. Yeah, but we all have a mission. You know what I mean? Somebody might be watching this right now who thinks, oh, okay, you know, that's her thing, but what do I have? But God has given each of us a mission um, and something to contribute to the world. And so, you know, through prayer and discernment, uh, one can find out, hey, you know, this is what God wants to do for me. Look at all these great opportunities. God has given me to make an impact. Let's go, let's go after it. Let's do it. That's excellent. And everything you're doing, all these different things, all these different interests that you have, are, it's a very full life, you know, very well-rounded. What keeps that balanced for you, and what is all that founded on? Uh, well, it's founded on, on God, really. It's founded on my faith. And, um, and a lot of times it's easy to lose that interior peace and to feel, oh, you know, I'm being pulled in this direction, my singing, now my speaking, you know, now I'm, I'm writing a book on chastity, now, you know, that, and, and my friends and all these things. But in the end, that peacefulness um, comes from the Lord. And by doing things like going to daily mass uh, and praying the rosary, reading the lives of the saints and wonderful spiritual reading like Story of a Soul by St. Therese, that helps to keep me centered and from that then everything else flows. And so it's a strong part of your life, that's your foundation. Yeah. And from that you're able to bring other parts of your life to life, you know, and God is in each one of these pieces. Mm -hmm. It's not just you have a spiritual life, but then you have a professional career and then you have a family life without God. He's in all these is what I'm hearing, and that's yeah. how you balance everything. Let's take yeah. a hypothetical. Let's say that you did not have God in your life, and your formation and your foundation was the basic message that society gives us, that culture. 
what kind of music do you think you'd be singing today or what kind of <laughs> message do you think you would be transmitting you know on stage uh, well I don't even think that I would be where I'm at without the Lord and I think that um, I, I definitely don't think I would be doing this work uh, with teens you know and young adults on chastity I probably would not have embraced it in my own life um, because I you know had many temptations that I'm, I'm a, you know very weak so um, God has given me that strength and even like having been with Wisconsin I would probably be a completely different person I think I would still be performing because that's what I love to do but I would be performing with probably an intent to glorify myself and to say hey look at how great I am right. What would you suggest to others in order to help them if they're saying, wow, you know, I hear what Mary Louise is saying mm -hmm. and I have an interest in growing in the spiritual life, but I have all these other interests and I always thought that the spiritual life was something that you only did if you were going to pursue a religious life. Mm -hmm. um, this is a new concept for me and I do have, you know, a feel to pursue that. What kind of guidance would you give them? Um, well, first of all, I'd say once you start down that path, um, once you take that first step towards becoming close to God, you'll never want to turn back because God helps you to live your life to the fullest, really much more fully. And um, uh, so I would encourage them to just, first of all, start going to Mass. You know, if you haven't been going every Sunday, and sometimes people go like most Sundays, no, make that commitment to go every single Sunday. That is your special time with the Lord. And I'd also say to start um, really fostering a a very spiritual prayer life with God. Make that commitment if you haven't been praying at all or just sporadically to do like five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. I know it seems like, you know, well, five minutes, what difference can that make? But if you start with the Lord in the morning, if you wake up and you say, God, I just give my whole day to you and, and everything that you give me, my mind, my heart, um, my thoughts, uh, you know, my material possessions, I offer it all to you. If you do that in the morning, then your mind will hopefully be with God all day long. And as you're driving in the car, you know, you might, um, you know, decide to say a decade of the rosary. As you're, um, as you're walking into work, um, you know, you might look around at the people around you and say, you know, what is the Lord asking of me to make a difference in these people's lives today? How can I treat them the way that Jesus would treat them? How can I love them the way Jesus would love them? So just by starting with those baby steps, you can transform your life into uh, an instrument of God's work and what He wants you to do in your life. We'd like to thank you for joining us on Builders of Hope. If you'd like to contact today's guest or myself, email us at our website at buildersofhope.com. We invite you to join us next week when our guest will be Ralph DeCardinus as a young engaged man. Ralph will discuss how he is preparing with his fiancée for marriage and will also speak to us about society's view of what being a man is versus what the church's view of what being a man is.